fan drive time. No Ben Ennis, no Blake Murphy. Sorry or you're welcome, depending on how you feel about that. Me and Ben know each other a little bit, so I can make that joke. Sorry, Blake. I know we're not that familiar, but I think we're all part of the fan family, so you'll let me take a little joke at your expense if you want a little Blake Murphy in your life. I believe he's coming back on Wednesday. All I know is that it's me and Gordo for the next two days. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick, obviously plenty of Leafs talk here. Plenty else for us to get into as well. Now, I will say, we'll just start this off. I don't know how you feel about this, Gordo. I just have a request to the, to the sports gods out there. If you could hold off on your baseball trade until Wednesday when Blake Murphy is back, that would that would be for my I would prefer that personally myself. Uh, of course, we got the Big Jays trade last time we were on, uh, but today always happy to be with you. How you doing, Gord Stellick? Um, now, do they take vacation to, uh, vacation together? I don't know. Do they? I don't know if they do. Jeez. I don't know. That. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, yes. you and I famously do take all our vacations yes, together. Yes, yes, right. yeah. Oh no, when when you have a a, a, a son your kid's age, <laughs> yes. okay, I've been through all that vacation. When what, what's what's your little Gord? Two, two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a different kind of vacation. Yes. Okay, but it's uh, it's a, a vacation you need a vacation from is what it is but yes last time we were doing we had a hockey heavy show which today we're going to talk some hockey but some raptors and a lot of nfl as mm-hmm. well but yes then the baseball trade came from left field yeah, pardon the baseball good. pun so we shall see what gets but i i uh i know getting in the rhythm of doing these shows which i don't anymore we of course do leafs nation and that but monday was always just a, a great day because so much so much had happened particularly when you have the world with all sports basically going on right now. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the perfect time for it. You got everything going on. Obviously, the last Sunday of the NFL regular season added a, a lot of intrigue there, and uh, that leads us perfectly into today's top story, brought to you by Thornhill Toyota, your local Toyota store since 1969. Come for the history, stay for the future, Dufferin north of Steels. Now, the NFL playoff picture is set, but honestly, I think the big story is just everything that happened for the Bills yesterday. You know, I, I you know, we all believe whatever we believe in but i it feels like something else is at play with this bills team right now obviously uh demar hamlin everything going on with him health wise seems to be taking a much better turn and then you see the way that game started on the weekend not just a touchdown on the first drive a touchdown the first time they touch the ball a kickoff return it's just one of those magical moments and you know again there's still a lot of football left to be played but it really does make you feel like the bills are a bit of a team of destiny here gordo well and the good news about him heading back to buffalo is well so that's great news about Damar Hamlin and and uh really now when you get down to it is okay destiny and um maybe this will be the year because they've been the opposite of that we know about of course that great ESPN 30 for 30 the four falls in Mm -hmm. Buffalo remind you about those four Super Bowls they've played in the most ridiculous games the last you know well of course you had the you know the one the tennis uh, one in the Tennessee miracle and all that went on but just most ridiculous game so yesterday was that was surreal that opening kickoff for a touchdown it really was so yes maybe the team of destiny yesterday now they got to get down to okay achieving the kind of playoff success they haven't been able to the last couple of years and also where tomorrow plays that they really need guys yeah, like him in the do. secondary <laughs> i mean that's where their injury depleted but yeah it, 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 it's just been a wonderful show of love compassion support uh, i like when the uh, one touchdown and and the uh the ball was given right away to yep. the athletic therapist who started the CPR that uh, led to basically, basically saving his life about a week ago. So that was that was one of those 
Magical's a bit strong, but real special moments yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, I had flashbacks. The other one I thought of, and, you know, a little bit of different circumstances, obviously, but, you know, there was a famous Monday night game many moons ago. Brett Favre, his father, had a heart attack the day before the game, and he had this consecutive start streak, and it was up in the air. Will he play? Won't he play? And, you know, we think of Favre as the old gunslinger. He started 9-9. Nine nine. He had four touchdowns in the first half, and it's just, you know, and obviously on a much kind of smaller level than these things. We joke about it all the time in hockey where, you know, a kid has a new baby or a guy has a new baby feels like a lock that he's going to get a goal or an assist or do something that matters in the game. Sometimes uh, these things just happen. And yeah, like you said, for the Bills, now you look ahead to where they're at. Uh, NFL playoff picture is set. So Saturday, it starts off 430 game Seattle at San Francisco. You get the 815 game that night that has the Chargers on the road in Jacksonville. And then those Bills, they kick off play on Sunday at home against Miami. The Giants and Vikings is your 430 game that day. Baltimore in Cincinnati, 8-15 on Sunday night, and then we have a Monday night football game for the playoffs. A little different to do that, but that's going to be Dallas and Tampa Bay. But yeah, just back to Buffalo and Miami, it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, I think the interesting part of this as well is that when you have such an emotional win, and I'm sure that was, is how can you kind of ride that level? You know, we talk about it all the time with teams. Can you stay hot for an amount of time? And this isn't staying hot. This is about kind of keeping yourself mentally, I don't want to say checked in, but it's just so hard to be riding such a a mental high for that long. And for the Bills, they hope it lasts for another month here all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, in some ways, the teams that had their first playoff game yesterday that had to win have a bit of an advantage versus someone that was already there. Now, they do make it intrigue in the last couple of weeks because only the first-place team does get the Mm -hmm. buy, so you got to keep going for something. But, yeah, I I, I think I agree with you that the Bills have to channel getting that high back to football and Mm -hmm. getting back to, you know, what that means and I, I mean that's still all a positive of that but just uh i i, I gotta tell you another one though i i really liked like there's no there's no i can't believe the detroit lions all these years like i can't believe <laughs> their ineptness all these years and yesterday that was a game i mean that game mattered they wanted to eliminate the green bay packers and that was turning into like oh my goodness we're going to get the new england patriots again we're going to get aaron Rodgers in again we're going to get tom brady in again mm-hmm. and of course all those things didn't happen in the Green Bay Packers, uh, courtesy of the Detroit Lions. So I so I, I liked watching that, a team that didn't have anything to play for and knocking the Green Bay Packers out. So the point is, there, yeah, there's so many moods. The New York Jets, you know, couldn't couldn't knock out a third-string quarterback in mm-hmm. Miami. So, if it, like, if you've just got in by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin, are you the one that's on a on a high next yeah. year, next week? You know, are you, you know, you on a super high given how it all went? So... It is, with all that's gone on, the different corralling of emotions. Of course, health becomes such yep. a factor, whatever we know and what we don't know about people that play and maybe aren't 100%. So it was a pretty neat last week because the week before, that Monday night game obviously was just, you kind of forgot about everything else for a while, justifiably so. Yeah, and what I'll, what I'll say about the Lions is that, you know, and part of this goes to, like you said, the absolute ineptitude of the franchise over, oh, pretty much the entirety of its existence, or at least, at the very least, my entire life. But that means so much to them to have that win. I'm not going to say it means as much as a playoff win would. Of course, you would rather a playoff win. But to beat your rivals, and not just that, to end their season, to go into their house, and, you know, there's talk now, I don't believe it, but Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. There's a world where you knocked him not just out of the playoffs, but out of the league, and it's got to feel so good. And I think it's important, you know, uh, not to tie everything to Leafsland, but we always get so bogged down with the result, the end. And sometimes sports should be about just having that cathartic 
cathartic feel. And the Lions, their season's over. They have literally nothing left to play with. But I guarantee you, their fans, David Alter among them, feel like they just won a Super Bowl having done that to the Packers. Yeah. Now, is Aaron Rodgers really going to retire, no. or is he going to Brett Favre retire? He is going to Brett Which Favre. Which means he has five years. He's going to Brett Favre and Tom Brady retire. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of him quote-unquote laying low while sending smoke signals to various NFL reporters. Maybe Peter King, who knows, will join us at uh, at 5.30 coming up. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk of stop, stop looking at me. Let Give me time to make my decision while I continue to feed uh, little breadcrumbs to people that make them speculate about it. That's how I would imagine that'll go all summer long. Now, I'm not as big a fan as I used to be. I was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay. I'm st- I still am a Cowboys fan, but I don't follow the same yep. way. I mean, I was huge. And uh, our mutual friend, Scott Lachlan, yes. is off the charts huge. And uh, But it's almost like They've decided they've got to accept they're going to lose already. Yes. You know, it just it's just whatever. It's this chicken little complex. So Tom Brady's gonna find a way and and Dallas is already because it's been so long. They won three Super Bowls yeah. in four years, and they've never been back to the championship no. game since then. I mean, you we're talking about decades. So again, when we just talk about the psyche of different teams, and you know, here's the Bills trying to think about you know, full court press and how do they harness them this emotion and maybe this will this be an emotional juggernaut that this carry them through to the uh, carry them through to the Super Bowl, um, yeah, and then you got Dallas. Who I, I don't know. I, I I call it still a toss up against. I, but it's just Tom Brady has that mystique. Yep. But but Cowboy fans are just ready for um, disappointment. Hey, uh, it's it's almost like another team in blue and white that we yeah, have, I was we've say, talked all, about yes, a little bit yes. before. Although when you don't have that, you're right. When you don't have it, you almost have to brace yourself. Because you can't take it again. I'll take the three Super Bowls in the 90s, though. Can we go back and get those for for this team in blue and white, the Leafs? I don't think we can do that. I don't think that's how it works. We can't transfer them over. Uh, that was today's top story brought to you by Thornhill Toyota. Again, NFL playoffs are now set. Everything kicks off on Saturday at 4.30 with the Seahawks and 49ers. Bills, they're kicking things off on Sunday. That's the 1 o'clock game at home against Miami. And then the playoffs, or at least the first round of it, will wrap up Monday night with the Buccaneers at home, too. I just found out Gord Stellick's Cowboys. I didn't know that. Look at that. We've been working together for for almost two years yeah. now, and I'm still learning new things about you. Well, Sign of a wonderful partner. Yeah, but I, I yeah, like. no, no, I'm not, but I'm not as rabid. I, <laughs> like, I'm going back. I'm talking about the first two Super Bowls. Okay. Well, this will be me. I'm talking the 1970s. This will be me in about uh, in about 15 years because I'm a Patriots fan right now. But it's like I'm really a Tom Brady fan. I rode the whole ride there, and now I'm okay. This is my team. All right, let's let's get through it because yeah, it's a little different when uh, when you don't have the guy there. Uh, of course, uh, the Leafs they have many of the guys, including Austin Matthews and John Tavares. Uh, both guys spectacular last night. Uh, of course, we were doing the game last night, but just a really nice bounce back weekend. For the Leafs, it was a get-right weekend. The game against the Wings started off not so great, and then you kind of found your footing as it went along. And then the game against the Flyers, and again, we talked about this on the post-game show last night. Sheldon Keefe disagrees, but that that looked like a pretty dominant effort from the Leafs against the Flyers. I know the scoreline says it. They were The Flyers actually outshot the Leafs there, but it never felt like they had much of any danger going on outside of the two goals. Yeah, and part of a good coach and a coach that has the feel of the team is when you're not expecting it, give you a little shot, and then when when... You maybe fall short in a game, um, give a pat in the back mm-hmm. for the, you know. So uh, I agree. They always shot 36-35. You and I were puzzled by that because certainly the scoring chances, 36 shots against, and I think they, I think there were 35 non-scoring yeah. chances. <laughs> I, it just almost seemed like that. And then he was big on um, saying that Matt Murray was the difference, which he wasn't. Uh, he played fine. Uh, the first goal was a soft goal. Yep. But, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bringing up a goaltending crisis here. Yeah, I no, just no. thought... Because we're, we're, we're looking at, from the Leafs' point of view, 
How do you gauge 82 games to make you better prepared for game number 83 onwards? And I, I think, Brent, they've done that chunk when they got beset by those. You, you don't want adversity, mm-hmm. okay? Or well, well, maybe you do, but you don't. You know, you don't want the, it'll happen, but let it happen, see what happens. And with the May Police, it was all those uh, injuries to their defensemen at the same time. And, and they went on and played really impressive team hockey, hockey goaltenders out, great two-way hockey. And I, if there's something maybe that can be a positive, be a bit of a difference maker, I think, I think they had that, and, and they really passed that test. Yeah, they did. It was just nice to see them kind of find that footing, really have a, a game that they're, the game they're capable of at the, at the higher end of it. Uh, not to make the whole thing about goaltending, because uh, I think we both agree they were fine, but they were not the difference this weekend at all. I think we need to, and I'm not telling you this, This is you, you, you're actually the one who's been telling me this all season long, is we cannot do the overreaction, underreaction, overreaction, underreaction with the goalies. This is kind of what, at least this is how I feel, this is how they're going to be this year you hope that the streaks can kind of cover each other off and you hope when Murray's not feeling good or not playing well Samsonov can pick up the slack and vice versa and that's been the case a little bit this year but I just think we need to realize that there's not going to be a nice steady you know Mike Babcock always talked about it guys will find their level I don't know that this goaltending tandem will I think they're going to look great at times I think they're going to have weeks where they struggle and you just hope that that doesn't come for both of them in the middle of April in round one of the playoffs that's how I feel anyways yeah and you, you know, you, you see what uh, goaltending, for those that remember, and again, I'm not going way back now. I'm just talking, I keep re- referencing the six years of excellent goaltending, four years of Curtis Joseph, yes. two years of Ed Belfort, and that plus the presence of Gary Roberts. But that alone <laughs> is why the Ottawa Senators don't have a Stanley Cup. Like, yep. I mean, th- that got in their head, and for four playoffs, every time the Ottawa Senators were a better regular season team, and you got that kind of goaltending. And again, Freddie just couldn't do it here. And I was big on Freddie, and he was great in the regular seasons. Uh, and, you know, just Reimer was battled hard when, way yep. back when. And last year you had, I, I still give Jack Campbell a lot of credit. It seemed like edge early than Vasilevsky came around at the end. But just, okay, who was that? When I'm talking to Kippy and Bourne about it earlier that, okay, I'd like to see Joseph Wall get some games in. Mm-hmm. And then Kippy kind of said, well, you don't, you don't want to, you know, People's confidence are fragile. You don't want to, and I said, no, no, I don't, I don't want to parachute them in. Yes. You got to think the end of the, the rest of the season, one of those two goaltenders will need a day off or a week off or whatever, but just to see, and I use the Jeff Zatkoff, com, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff, yeah. Jeff Zatkoff's a really funny guy, very personable guy. He loves talking about being that number three goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah. getting that start in game one, and they won that Stanley Cup where Matt Murray ultimately was their goaltender. So I, I just want to try things. I don't mind the five five forwards on the power play. This is the time to, I like seeing Wayne Simmons back on the lineup last night. I mean, this is the time to try all hands on deck, figure them all out. So if it helps you make a difference in one playoff game, in one period or whatever it may be, that could be huge. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned Wayne Simmons, and, uh, you know, I know, the, I know the contract doesn't quite work out because there's so much term left on it, and it's, it's easy to say this when he scored a goal for the Flyers last night, but all I could think watching that game is you'd love Nick Delorier in your, in your bottom six. He's kind of the Wayne Simmons that can still do it every night. You know, it was good. I actually thought Wayne Simmons looked a lot more spry than I expected him to in that game, but that's kind of what he is now. You can parachute him in once in a while, and he has fresh legs, and he can go in there, but I don't know that he can do that 
forget every single night, but many nights. But yeah, it's we always talk about the idea of having a heavier presence. And, you know, maybe the fact that he showed a little finish makes me feel a little better about him. But, you know, Deloria is a player who he was great on the Ducks. He made a big difference when the Wild made the move for him last year. And, you know, it does seem like the Leafs will be kind of looking at bigger fish. At least that's what I think around the deadline. But if you do strike out on all of that and you wanted to give your bottom six a different look, I don't know how much it would cost to kind of pry him out of Philly because he's the he's a player that and this is no knock on him at all, but he's kind of useless for Philly. Like he's supposed to be in games that matter. He can kill penalties for you. And on that Flyers team, he's perfect for Philly and personality and everything that they want there. But I don't know that he's actually helping them. They need, they need skill guys. They don't need a bunch of great fourth liners. Well, and they've got the Jake Muzzin contract. It looks yeah. like, so they, they, they look like the, the cap pressure will be alleviated a little bit. We're looking to fall in love with a third and fourth liner, aren't we? Like we're so lo- bad. You know, we need that Gary Volk goal, yes. like he got uh, in overtime way back when, and got him a two-year contract. And so Pontus Holmberg, holy mackerel! Oh, he's wow, been great. That guy's been a real pleasant surprise. We're you know we're warming up to Cali Arncroke. Dennis Mulligan's gone. Nick Robertson unfortunately can't stay healthy. No. Uh, to me, need more than Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot. Yep. So you know that again, and I'm uh, again being on with Kippy and Bourne about ninety minutes ago. It's just that. Every year in the playoffs, every year it seems, that the team that wins, each line that goes out, the skill level diminishes the least. So the first to the second line, it's a lesser, uh, uh, you know, change. Second to third, same thing, little change compared to the other team. Yep. That, oh, my God, here's their first line. Oh, my God, no. here's their third line. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what you kind of want to get. And that's what, what in Toronto hasn't been the case, or one of the things that hasn't been the case uh, is in, in this recent era. Yeah, and the other thing about it is, and this is a little bit more with the Tampa team that won back-to-back as opposed to Colorado. You know, Colorado was buoyed a lot by by their skill, but there always seems to be somebody who plays at a level or makes more of a difference than you would expect them to, or you should. You know, when we think of Tampa, it was, you know, Coleman and Goudreau, how important they were. You know, before that, it was Anthony Sorelli kind of showing up, and, you know, that's what this Leafs team is going to need. Maybe maybe this team's version of that is Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligram blossoming into the second pair as the year goes along long i don't know what it's going to be but it does feel like you need somebody to take a a mini step or a mini leap or just play above their heads you know we'd love it to be kerfoot and engvall not hold my breath on that exactly but those are the type of players maybe it's Callie yarncroke yeah and if they do make a move to push yarncroke into the bottom six and they improve that left side depth up top maybe he's the guy but yeah you need somebody to to just not play completely above their head you don't need anybody to go build their lego scoring a million goals or anything like that but you need somebody you need somebody to just play above the level you would expect from them. Just find that that another gear in the playoffs. Yeah, and to to by the way, I did pick for the record. It's on Sportsnet.ca. I know you did as well. Yes. Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, and I've never picked that in recent years. I've just and I just I got no I got, I can't quantify it. I can't back it with statistics or anything else. But just I got a feeling, and it's it's a feeling that there's going to be a St. Louis Blues type team that wins it this year. And so you got to win 16 playoff games. Now, I know in Toronto, we'd just be happy to win four, I would take four okay, for yeah. starters. But <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm going to get greedy. I would like five because I don't want the Florida Panthers thing to happen. Oh, so gosh, I'd like five. No, you get swept. You're better <laughs> off losing the previous round. Okay, but yeah. So with St. Louis, so you got 16 different scenarios that happened for him for a team that right around now turned things around yep. four years ago. It was right around now. So you're saying there. call up Joe Wall and put him in the net. That's well, what the Blues did. And But one game... Cal Gunnarsson was the difference. Yeah. The ex-Leaf. That's right. Right on the St. Louis Blues D. So, I mean, just like he, he like, so it's just, and then I can remember Craig Berube, just it, he had funny tweaks that he put Sammy Blay in or yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. he put in, and they they would 
have a couple of games play well, then we'll be back in the press box mm-hmm. and something else went in and he had a good. And then they got hugely lucky against Dallas. Yes. Okay, Bennington played great, but they got hugely lucky. You want, you want the bounces, you know, if mm-hmm. you're going to go that deep, you need a bounce or two to go your way as well. But that's exactly what we're talking about, that, okay, one game, Alex Kerfoot's the guy that, that does it, whatever. Yeah. Not, you know, another game, it's Austin Matthews gets a hat trick. That's great. Another game, the goaltender, you win 2-1, outstanding goaltender. Like all, all, these, all these different scenarios and, and ultimately get you – deeper in the playoffs for starters yeah and then uh la- last one on the leafs and we're going to talk to peter king in about uh 10 minutes time also about I'll, the leafs uh, well if he has opinions i'm i'm always happy to hear anybody's leafs takes there's really no no leaf opinion i don't want to hear i might roll my eyes after i hear it but i do want to get the take uh in, in it first also the some interesting stories in in raptors land that we'll touch on uh before the day is up but in terms of the leafs you know i think the the most interesting question going forward or at least in the immediate future is what is Sheldon Keefe going to do with his blue line rotation? Because I am, I want to be clear. I am not saying Connor Timmons is some undeniable that you can't take out of the lineup. I think he he's is, becoming your new Michael Bunting. Like you're a big Michael Bunting guy. I am, I am the, the Connor Timmons I'm the thing now. Biggest Michael Bunting guy. But the is problem, one of your relatives an agent for them or something? No, like? you got to clear I, that. Well, I mean, I'll be clear. If anybody wants to give me a cut of that next deal, it's getting better by the day. So I will, I will gladly be involved in that. But as of as of present, I'm not. Is what are you going to do with Connor Timmons? Because I think he is the seventh best defenseman on this team. I don't think he is a typical seventh D that you just leave rotting up there until somebody somebody's hurt or somebody you know loses their job due to performance. It's going to be a really interesting balancing act for Keefe. And you know, a lot of people have talked about the idea of give Giordano a night off because of the advanced age. But everything you hear is that that is really not in the cards. It's not the plan for this team. What do you what do you expect Keefe does with the D rotation to kind of keep everybody fresh and engaged? Okay, let's back off the term advanced age and call him a veteran, okay? okay? If, he's got, yeah. if he's got advanced age, I got big problems, okay? okay? That's all I can say. But uh, it's... A, Experience? A, do you like that? Yeah, we, yeah, veteran. We use veteran. Okay. But uh, Frankie Corrado, again, and he was a young player, and he just, taught, he just talks about that experience that there was nothing good about being in the press box basically all season. Mm-hmm. Now, Justin Hall adapted and made kind of somehow. a career about it. But I'm, I'm big on that. Okay, like, you know, particularly because you're not fighting, scratching, clawing for a playoff spot at this point that, yeah, keep, you know, keep a little bit of a rotation going. And, you know, here we got TJ Brody out uh, for some reason and yeah. they want to give him an extra day and these things will crop up. So I, I don't worry about it as much as you seem to. And I say that with love and respect. <laughs> but I, I do think that Connor Timmons has been a real, uh, and I, it's a, such a nice story that if he gets a crack again because he had some injuries and, you know, get a second chance at it and he seems to be really embracing it. That, yeah, then don't then don't park him for five games. Yeah. Don't park him for five games. So I, you know, I I do like seeing a little bit of change that way with the healthy players because you're going to ultimately need them all at some point. Yeah, and of course, uh, T.J. Brody he did miss last night. Uh, Keith speaking post game, talking about it, just effectively saying that them sitting him for the game allowed them to give him a run. It seems like the plan would be for him to play Wednesday uh, against Nashville. So we'll see what happens there. The good news is is that one D injury, and I want to be clear, T.J. Brody is a guy you need in the lineup come playoff time. But we this team has shown that one injury isn't going to crater their chances, isn't going to crater their season. They miss Morgan Riley for a long, long stretch. They miss Brody for a time. Sandine has missed chunks. You know, it's been it's been nice to be able to have. It's a it's a good problem to have when you have too many guys as opposed to, like you've made the point of not having to go out and make that panic trade. Yeah, well, there's years ago. Can anybody play this game? Can anybody <laughs> play D? Can we get one, you know, going on? And that's that's part of what's... It's almost like you're a kid again. And when I was a kid, there wasn't 24-hour sports yes. talk radio. I wish there was. 
because that's what you well, would just talk. It was talk. on in my house, but it was just me babbling my parents all the time. Like, oh, oh what about Cujo? Yeah. Well, okay, there you go. So, <laughs> but but just you know, you you on and on and on. You start dissecting everything. It's kind of it's kind of fun when you're like it's almost it's almost I hate I never use the word better when you're losing, mm-hmm. but it, you can really you know poke at a lot of different yep. things. Where when you're winning, you're trying you're trying to figure that perfect mix, that perfect whatever it may be, and it just was good after their worst game of the season. And I seem to know. For whatever reason, and a lot of, in, I know a lot of people there too. Inordinate weird. number of people went that went to the Seattle Kraken game and just offered that opinion. And you know what a terrible game it was. So to come back against teams you should beat, but in the manner they did it, and that's you know that's what the best teams do. You know that's what the best teams do. And I, I I've liked that side of this team since that uh, horrible four game or five game road trip, but the last four games of it when they went out to California. And couldn't beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But then when they got back home, they kind of got on track. Yeah, it was a rough, rough stretch there. A rough game against the Kraken, but they've been uh, they've been nailed since. A win against Detroit and then a win last night on the road in Philadelphia. We'll have a little more Leaf talk coming up at 6 o'clock. Uh, Luke Fox, he's been running away from us on post games. We're going to corner him down uh, today on Fan Drive Time. He's going to join us at 6. But coming up next, Peter King. Are the Bills a team of destiny? What does that even mean? We'll ask Peter King when we continue here. It is Fan Drive Time with Gunning and Stellick on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Fan Drive Time, Gunning and Stellick with you. I hope you like it because we're here again tomorrow. And if you don't, guess what? We're still going to be here again tomorrow. At least... That's what our bosses tell us. I don't know. They can always change their mind. They can always change their mind. That's what I always remind myself. But, you know, you're stalwart like you. You've been around the biz a little bit. You know well, if they don't like us, the good news is we won't be here Wednesday. That's right. How about Very that? Good. Look at it that way. Very but good. Uh, why yeah. wouldn't you like us? Of who, who wouldn't like us? Uh, and, again, we're going to dive back into the NHL talk. Talk to our buddy Luke Fox. He's going to join us at 6 o'clock. Also, a uh, pretty interesting Raptors story that we haven't uh, touched on yet. A couple of them. Fred Van Vliet, the report comes out that he had turned down a contract extension. Uh, how smart will that have been by him when it's all, all is said and done at the end of the season? We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Also, a uh, little bit of a yeah, shouting match. Stern words were had by the Raptors on court with each other. It was funny. You and I were doing the Leafs game last night, Gordon. We both were sitting in studio uh, noticing that. Uh, always funny when there's a little squabble among teammates. Uh, yeah. And uh, in any sport, we're going to talk NFL football. Uh, losing sucks. Yes. That's all. And that, and that and that just you know evokes things that normally wouldn't happen when times are times are going well. Let's just put it that way. Yes, losing sucks. Uh, talking to Peter King most certainly does not. Uh, very very happy to welcome in Peter King, NBC Sports and Football Morning in America. Uh, Peter, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Everything's going good. If I had known I was going to be on with Gord tonight, I would have. <laughs> done my devil's research because <laughs> this is the first year since the Brodeur era where we haven't absolutely stunk. Uh, so I'm getting a little bit of joy out of this season. I probably won't end up getting a lot of joy out of it, but it's been good the first half of the year. Well, and how about your devils? Uh, Jack Hughes invented the term heater that we're all using. We like, all what use a great it. term. And, and so Brent and I were trying to figure out the wild card team's can you quantify yeah. the heater? Like, okay, so all of a sudden the Dolphins get in. Like, are they euphoric? Is that an advantage? The team, the team that's been playing uh, kind of out, out, out the string the last two weeks, how can they get back on track? How do is, is the, bill, the, the, the Bills, is this a great thing, this emotion uh, with what's happened, or do they have to bring it in again? How do you look at that, Peter? 
Well, I was in Buffalo yesterday, and um, it was a wonderful day. It was one of the coolest days in my 39 years covering the NFL, honestly. And there was so much that was good about it. I was out in the parking lots before the game talking to some fans, and the Patriots buses rolled by, and the guy said, I have such goodwill today that I'm not going to give him the double bird as they go by. <laughs> and, he, and, he just, and he just waves to the buses, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, if, and, and I don't mean to short shrift this because uh, obviously of the sensitive nature of what uh, happened at DeMar Hamlin, but uh, the Bills were not very impressive yesterday. I didn't think particularly on offense. They made a few plays, but they're going to need to be better to beat Kansas city and Cincinnati and to get into the super bowl. And so I think they've got to, uh, I think they've got to work just a little bit on making sure that all the pressure isn't on Josh Allen. You know, it always seemed yesterday to be, second and eight, you know, and so I, I, I like the bills. I think the bills are good. And I think unless Tua Tonga Valoa comes back with a vengeance on Sunday, and I just don't see that happening. Uh, I think the bills go into the next round and very likely will be playing at Cincinnati in a week and a half. Yeah, that's how I expect it to play out as well. And, you know, it's just, it is so tough for a team in the position that the Bills are in. And again, I, I'm with you. Of course, we all echo, you know, the most important thing in this situation is DeMar Hamlin's health and good news that he's that he's back in Buffalo uh, being taken care of at the hospital there. But it is just so hard for a team when you have had the emotional roller coaster that they've had. And, you know, these yeah. are obviously very separate things, but you go all the way back to the start of the year. And this is the first time, maybe in this team's history, at least in this century, and I know it's only 20 years, but it sounds better when I say century, that they have been the Super Bowl favorites. It wasn't they got a chance. Yeah. It wasn't they can be in the mix. It's, no, you're the favorite. Yeah. You're expected to go out and do this, and it just seems like they have had to ride such a wave all year long, and I just, part of it is that Cincy and, and KC are really good football teams, but when you throw in the the emotions of it all, I, I just don't know how the Bills are going to be able to find some semblance of a level over what what they hope is a long playoff run. Yeah. I, I spent about, I don't know, 10 or so minutes with Sean McDermott after the game. And the first thing he said is basically, you know, we're just really fortunate. This was not a road game uh, because he said, we need, you know, we needed to, to settle down. We needed a little normalcy. And, uh, and he said, you know, it just feels like we've been on the road so much. And obviously part of that is the whole Thanksgiving storm that forced uh, the, uh, right. you know, that forced them to not be able to play at home and to play the Browns in a home game in Detroit. But I just think that one of the things that's happened to this Buffalo team, and it is fantastic that they have survived it and done everything is that they have had some huge problems during the course of this year. Obviously, Dawson Knox's uh, brother dying. Uh, Kim Pagula has been ill for much of the year with an undisclosed illness. Uh, that's weighed heavy on some of the people there. Uh, John Murphy, the play-by-play guy now, has a stroke. It's And obviously, DeMar Hamlin. And 
you know, they, they, they don't get home for Christmas because of they're stuck in Chicago. It's just, they just have had, uh, and obviously nothing compares to what happened a week ago tonight, but they have had a tough year. And I think what is really, really good for them, and this is going to sound small, but teams thrive on normalcy. And it was great for them yesterday, Sunday at 1 o'clock, normal day for a game. You're not waiting around all day and playing at night. And they were well-rested coming in because they only played nine minutes last Monday, so it's almost like they had a bye week. And now for their playoff game, they're at home again, Sunday at 1 o'clock. Everything is sort of back to normal thanks to NFL scheduling. And so, look, they're going to have every chance to be in good form by the time they go on the road, assume I'm assuming to Cincinnati in a week and a half, but I I do think they've gone through a lot. So Peter, just kind of in the post-mortem sense about yesterday and, uh, uh, and by the way, your devils, there's a great documentary came up again about the battle for last place in 1984, which they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? I mean, Pittsburgh got Mario Lemieux that year in the the pre-lottery. Yeah. The pre-lottery era. And I'm wondering like Jeff Saturday was brought in with Indianapolis. They say to lose everything yesterday. Lovey Smith, the fact he got fired one after one hour after the game, were they pissed that he won the game? Was like, I mean, like, should there be a lottery no, or something in place? So. Okay. No, I think everybody out here would think that all oh, management got ticked off at him because he won two of his last three, and so they fired him. They were going to fire him, and whatever happened yesterday, I, and I think it's patently, categorically absurd. Um, look, Gord, you've been in this business for a long time, okay? And you have watched all of sports. You tell me what franchise that's any good at all has hired and fired two coaches in two years. And, you know, last year it was David Cully. He comes in there. They have a terrible year. And, of course, they do. They stink. They don't have a quarterback. You know, they're not going to play Deshaun Watson a year ago. And then this year... They get rid of Deshaun Watson. They still don't have a quarterback. They hire Lovey Smith. And when I went to their training camp this summer, everybody there said, listen, we're not going to get on this merry-go-round of hiring a coach every year. Lovey is safe. He's got at least two years. It's just, you know, and I wrote this morning in my column, why would anybody, anybody, really, why would anybody want to take that job? How can you trust the owner when he says, "Oh, you're going to have plenty of time"? I'm telling you, I'd make him sign a. I'd make him if they wanted me. I'd say, "Good, sign me to a five-year contract." <laughs> that, that's the only way I would go there because I guarantee you, the Texans are going to try to sign somebody to a three-year contract, and if they have two losing seasons, he's getting whacked. And it just it's a merry-go-round. It's horrible, but. Anyway, that's my soapbox for the day. No, I love it. I mean, you're you're dead on, Peter. You need to be able to have, you know, rope to build what you want to build there. You need to know that you're going to have some comfortability and then throw in the yeah. track record of the franchise in and of itself. And, you know, you mentioned yeah. the last couple of years, but we, we can go all the way back to David Carr for for, for the ineptitude uh, there. there. Um, you know, yeah. one, one just speaking of coaches, uh, obviously Lovey Smith out. Uh, I think the big name that's kind of poking around, obviously, this offseason is, is going to be Sean 
Payton. Do you have any inkling for for what his offseason is going to look like? Team you believe that could be could be making a big run at him, and and maybe if not that, just where do you think is the best spot for for the league for Sean Payton to end up? I'm sitting in my hotel room in Amherst, New York last night. My phone rings, and I look down at Sean Payton, and I said, hey, maybe I'm going to get a little scoop here. And he said, hey, I need help filling out my all-pro ballot. <laughs> it's the first year I've ever done this. How do you do it? What's your, what are your thoughts on that? You know? So, uh, and he, it, look, it, we did talk about his situation, and he said, hey, I can't talk to these guys until uh, – I think he said it's it's a week from Monday, September 17th or something, 16th. And I think his whole deal is all he's going to do is listen. I, I've talked to him many times this year. He likes his life. And, Gord, you'll appreciate this. You know, he has moved to Los Angeles, okay? He's newly married. Uh, his daughter lives there from a previous marriage. He's got a home in Idaho that he lives in for about six months. Now he's going to live in Manhattan beach, uh, you know, for the cold part of the year. And basically he really likes his life. And just tell you one thing about Sean Payton. When he left the saints, one of the things he told me is, you know, Peter, I am tired at two o'clock in the morning of drinking three diet Cokes so I can make it till four thirty. You know, it's just, it's no way to live. It just you're not going to be at your best and all that. I think he definitely needed a break. And look, I don't know what's going to happen. You've got all the Walton family money in Denver. If they think if they think that Jim Harbaugh's their guy, and Harbaugh's agent said, okay, it's going to take 17 million a year. I if they definitely want him, same thing with Peyton. They're going to pay it. And right now, you know, nobody really knows because they're not published. They're not on file anywhere. Nobody really knows that much precisely about how much coaches are paid. But I was told a couple of weeks ago that there are five guys in the 15 million or more range per year. Wow. And that's headed by Belichick. Um, So, I mean, it's like Belichick, Tomlin, probably John Harbaugh, you know, some of the veteran guys who've done it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, Andy Reid, yeah, yeah. But but so you, in my opinion, on the surface, I don't see Sean Payton coaching Denver. I don't see him having faith that he can fix Russell Wilson. If he's going to get one more shot at this, uh, I think he's going to want to go somewhere where he's got a definite quarterback or a pass to a definite quarterback. But we'll see what happens. You know, I I never predict what's going to happen if somebody hands you a contract for four years, 60 million, you know, it'd be interesting to hear somebody say no to to a deal like that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I uh, I too would like to see what happens. I'd like to see one with my name on it. I don't think that's happening uh, anytime yeah. soon. I guarantee you, I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be saying no. Uh, just sticking with the coaches there, uh, Sean McVay. You know, he he was uh, we're yeah. not all that r- far removed from him being the new sexy guy. Everybody who knew him had ever shaken his hand was getting interviewed for a coordinator job. And you know, uh, like you said, being an NFL coach is a hard gig. Uh, what do you think happens yeah. next with him? Well. First of all, I do think that Sean Payton is probably having some second thoughts about uh, about coming back this year because I think he was ready for sort of 
kind of an interregnum period in his career where maybe he walks away for three or four years, does television, and then, hey, if he loves it, if he's Chris Collinsworth, maybe he stays. But if he really gets the itch, he could go back somewhere and coach some team. But I think he got caught up in the emotion of it. Aaron Donald got caught up in the emotion of it. Everybody said, hey, let's come back. Let's run it back. Everybody, let's all come back. And so instead of taking two weeks and really thinking about what is best for you, and maybe you would have come away and saying, I want to coach anyway. But I was told last Friday that the Rams think there's a better chance that he coaches next year than he doesn't. And they've had some extensive conversations with him about it. So I'm not sure that he's definitely going to go because and I know this is going to sound crazy. The real money in television is the number one analyst job for one of the networks. And last year he could have had the Amazon job and made, I don't know, pick a number 13, 15 million. I don't even, I don't know uh, a year, but he decided to go back and if and now all the chair the musical chairs have been filled mm. and so if he does go uh you know nobody pays studio guys anywhere near that much now if you're a studio guy you get to work maybe 2 2.5 days a week max in you know for half a year so you have a good life. You can start to get your life centered again, get a little more balance back. And then in a year or two, even though you haven't really maximized your income in a year or two, you'll be the hottest guy on the coaching market and you can make a jillion dollars then. But I, I think as somebody in the organization said, what Sean needs to do is he needs to go somewhere for three weeks or a month and not really think about this. And I think the Rams are very, even though it would put them out of the prime spot for all the uh, available coaches, I think the Rams are very willing to let them do that because they don't want to lose them. And so I think they think that if he goes away, rests, sits on a beach somewhere, that they've got a better chance of keeping him than asking him right now, uh, you got to tell us whether you're coming back or not. So, Peter, I got a, I got a bit of a different question for you because watching the whatever 15 ballots for the Speaker of the House, one of the people referenced being a Detroit <laughs> Lions fan, I really admired yeah. how they played last night against Green Bay. Yeah. And, and, I've, you know, you're just talking about making tough decisions. And I always think about Barry Sanders. Like, we all have what-if things. And the yeah. way he left, yeah. it seemed with so much acrimony, he just told a buddy with the Wichita paper, and then it was like, Deardorff couldn't talk him into coming back and what have you. I see him now. He seems to be out and about. Like, if, yeah. he, if he had a do-over, would, would he, like, was it just his pride? What was it that a guy in his prime? No. No? What he, was it? He just, he, he just, look, Barry Sanders, of, you know, of all the guys I've ever covered, Barry Sanders was an incredibly nice person who simply was born with a shy gene and he hated everything other than the three hours on Sunday and the two and a half hours of practice every day. He, he had no use for any of that stuff and he, and they had to force them to do it. 
But but and so I don't think Barry Sanders has any regrets about what he did. Now he part of it was he just didn't love the life, but the other part of it, he just said, What why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah, it's good money, whatever it was when he left uh the Lions and, and retired. But why am I doing this? When every you know you know we have a losing record every year, there's no prospects for improvement. Uh, he, I don't think he thought his coach Wayne Fonts was was any good at all. Um, and and I, I just think he felt like I want to get away. Now, this version of the Lions, all right. Before the season, I sat with Dan Campbell for two hours one day in May in a mini camp, and we talked about everything. And it was very clear that Dan Campbell was going to win or he was going to die trying, period. (laughs) You know, he's from the Parcells school. You know, there's no excuses ever for anything in football. You win or you get fired and don't complain. And that's the way he is. But the biggest thing in a playing sense, I never thought that I would say this ever because I thought Jared Goff was definitely damaged goods Uh, when he got traded uh, from the Rams to the Lions. But how about this? Last nine games this year, the Detroit Lions were 7-2, and and Goff threw 15 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. And, I I mean, look, everybody, I mean, everybody thought with their two first-round picks this year, because this is the last year they got the pick from the Rams, that they were going to have to take a quarterback. And now... You're Brad Holmes. You're the GM of the Lions. Happy days are here again. You can continue to fortify a burgeoning, growing roster. And look, I I said this to somebody over the weekend. Who would you rather be right now? Would you rather be the Packers or would you rather be the Lions? This is the first year since Mastodons roam the earth (laughs) that I would say I would rather be the Lions right now than the Green Bay Packers. It's uh, it's incredible. Yeah, I can't believe we're there, but you were you were dead right, and there's no way we can ask you another question with uh, not get you out on that line. Uh, well done, Peter. Uh, always enjoy uh, chatting to you. Thanks for taking some time today. All right, guys. Hey, take care. There he goes, Peter King, NBC Sports, and Football Morning in America, and Gord Stelic's best friend. Apparently, <laughs> I did not know that. Gord, are you well, and Peter King best friends? You holding out on me? I have not talked. I have not talked to him on air for quite a while. What a what a great get. He is for uh, a regular hit on the on this show, and uh, yeah, he likes all kinds of sports. And I remember chatting about things like he covered the Jets when Belichick was the coach, yep. and Belichick used to see him like he be at five in the morning getting coffee mm-hmm. when Belichick would drive by get coffee, and go, so he kind of impressed Belichick, who doesn't get impressed by anybody, anybody anymore since then. So little things, and it's a funny thing. And someone said somebody was trying to. Um, Get a story. This is about 15 years ago. So say I'm trying to help Brent Gunning out, and I go, okay, you want to talk to Belichick may not be the coach, but say Tony Dungy goes, okay, at 9.20 a.m., call his assistant Susan, and she'll he's coming by (laughs) to get a coffee then, and he'll have a couple of minutes. Here's her number and all these kinds of things. And you see even here when he talks about Sean Payton calling him to fill out his Pro Bowl ballot. Oh, that's awesome. And just for the record, pulling back the curtain, that is what it's like working with you, Gordo. Uh, There's very few people who have a bad word to say. A few of them have said it, but we'll we'll protect our sources uh, on that one. As long as I had Peter King. Yeah, that's right. You have Peter King, man. 
again, I, I guess I, you know, I did, I did say I'll take any and all opinions on the Leafs. I didn't know we were getting devil's takes there uh, from him. And you really blew his mind with your uh, Mario Lemieux story there. So it's always a good interview when you can illuminate the guests just as much as uh, they can illuminate us. Well, and the other part, again, good stories, like, again, the Lions being relevant and Barry Sanders, I don't know a comparable. You know what I mean? In well, sports, it's like, funny to because walk away it the happened. Game, you well, know? it happened again, right? The Lions, they had Calvin Calvin Johnson, yes. an amazing receiver there, and it's just so funny that all I could think of is, as Peter King was saying, and they finally got their guy. They just had to lose two of the best, probably the best players in franchise history to do it. It's all yeah. it's all it took, just sacrificing them in the middle of their careers, and now you finally have turned it around. It's funny because I I spent a lot of time in Windsor. It's where I went to school for for a couple of years, so I know a ton of lines. Lions fans, and it's just I I won't say I'm happy for them because I always rolled my eyes a little bit at how crazy they were. But it for all the misery they've been through, you know, we talked about it with the Bills, and obviously they've been on a trajectory now, but they know misery. It's nice to see them in a winning spot. And again, uh, it's not a Super Bowl win. Uh, I don't think the Lions are coming close to that anytime soon. But that's what it felt like yesterday when they eliminated the Packers. Yeah, yeah, and it was, it was there were some neat games. There were some neat last, you know, because others there are games that just don't matter. And I got to think that's the hardest sport. Like you talk about. When you're playing out the string and it's your last game, and you, I mean, look at Connor McDavid. Oh, I know that game number eighty-two when yep. he got you know hit Giordano when the Edmonton was playing Calgary, and his summer was changed to say the least. And football is one of those that you kind of go, you go, well, you don't want to get hurt, but if you're playing like you don't want to get hurt, that's quite often how you get hurt. And if you're a team that's like you know four and four and four and twelve yeah. or whatever it may be, you know, you just don't want to get hurt. No, that's not what you want at all. Uh, really, really fast flew hour. First hour, it flew by, especially with your best friend, Peter King. Um, our best friend, Gord Stellick, Frank Gunning here. We're going to continue. We got one more hour of fan drive time coming up. We'll kick it off with Luke Fox. Dive back into Leafland. Are the goalies good again? No, we're going to ride the wave. I'm sure Luke will agree with us there. We'll talk to him in a couple of minutes here. It's fan drive time with Gunning and Gordo on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.